Welcome to King of Glory's Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoyed this week's encouraging message. For more information, please visit kingofglorycc.com. Well, good morning, everyone. It's a good day to be in the house of God. Um, If you would, put your hand over your heart. Father God, I thank you just for the privilege and the honor to come together corporately as a family, to be in your word. Holy Spirit, we ask right now that you would lead and that you would guide. We ask that you would anoint my mouth with the words of Christ that you have to go forth today. And you would anoint our ears to hear what the Spirit is saying. And you would anoint our hearts to have transformation, Lord God. We pray your kingdom would come. We pray your will would be done. Lord, we ask that we would um, leave this place different than when we came. Because as we come, your word is... Is living and active. And Lord, we're asking for you to come. And however you want to do, we welcome you, Holy Spirit, your conviction. We thank you that faith comes from hearing and hearing the word of God. And I thank you that you're going to increase faith and bring transformation, not only in our lives, but in this region. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. So today we're going to talk about um, living through the cross. And um, I'd like for you to open your Bibles to Matthew chapter When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, Well, some say John the Baptist, and some say Elijah, and others say Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And then he said to them, but who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered, and he said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said to him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And I will say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. And I'll give you the keys of the kingdom, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loosen on earth will be loosed in heaven. And then he commanded his disciples that they should tell no one that he was the Christ. Now that seems kind of strange, doesn't it? Let's just stop, and I want to break this down just a little bit, and we're not going to stay too long on this. But Jesus, when he asked that question, who do people say I am? And you could ask that question. We could ask it here. We could ask it out there. Who do you say 
I am. You know, we live in a, in a culture that most people in this nation have heard of Jesus. And the majority, a, no, a number of people would even say, oh yeah, I'm a Christian. And there might be a cultural, but it's another thing to understand. He is the risen, or he's the living God, the son of God. And when he said, who do people say I am? It was without question, people thought Jesus was someone special. Well, maybe he's John the Baptist, or maybe he's a prophet. And then Jesus leans in and he said, but who do you say I am? And then Peter says, you, you are Christ, the anointed one, the son of the living God. And then Jesus lets him know, you know what? Humans didn't tell you that. Flesh and blood didn't tell you that. My spirit revealed, the father revealed this to you. And, and then he goes, and I say this, you're Peter, and on this rock, I will build my church. What's he building his church on? Revelation. The revelation of Jesus. It's not on Peter, where there's been through the years some misunderstanding. It's on the revelation that Jesus is the Christ, the son of God. And the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. And then I'm giving you the keys of the kingdom. And then he tells them, don't tell anybody. But then he begins to instruct them. From that time on, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and the chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised on the third day. Then Peter, the very same Peter who had the revelation that this is the Messiah, the anointed one, that Peter, the very same one, he pulled Jesus aside. And he began to rebuke Jesus saying, far be it from you, Lord, this should not happen to you. I mean, imagine, you've just had the revelation that Jesus is the Messiah, and then Jesus says, don't tell anybody, I need to tell you what's about to happen. And when he tells them about what happened, the very one that had the revelation is now saying, don't let it happen. And Jesus turned to him, turned to Peter, and this is what he said. Get behind me, Satan. <laughs> you are an offense to me. For you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of man. You know, Peter, <laughs> poor Peter, <laughs> he just, you know, he just, we see all the sides of him. But, you know, how many of us can say there have been many times in my life I have not been mindful about the things of God, but the things of men. Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, 
Let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. What profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and he loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man will come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then he will reward each according to his works. Now, here's the thing. We live in a culture, and I'm not, I'm going to say some things, and you got to press through and make sure you don't hear things I'm not saying. Okay? We live in a culture that has been saturated with the story of Jesus. And I do believe we are to share the good news. There's no question about it. But I believe that our lives, picking up our cross and following after him, will probably become a greater testimony than any word we can say. And the thing is, none of us really like to think about what does that even mean to pick up my cross and follow after him. I want to just read a couple of other translations um, in this Matthew 16, 24 to 28. Um, in the Passion Translation, I'm not going to read it all. Jesus, in the Passion Translation, if you truly want to follow me, you should at once completely reject and disown your life. And you must be willing to share my cross and experience it as your own as you continually surrender to my ways. For if you choose self-sacrifice and lose your life for my glory, you'll continue to discover true life. But if you choose to keep your lives for yourselves, you forfeit what you try to keep. In the message translation, it says this. Then Jesus went to work on his disciples. Anyone who intends to come with me has to let me lead. You're not in the driver's seat, I am. Don't run from suffering, embrace it. Follow me, I'll show you how. Self-help is no help at all, self-sacrifice is the way. My way, defining yourself, your true self. What kind of deal is it to get everything you want but lose yourself? What could you ever trade your soul for? In the Living Translation, if you try to hang on to your life, you'll lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you'll save it. One more that amplified. Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone wishes to follow me as my disciple, he must deny himself, set aside selfish interest, and take up his cross 
expressing a willingness to endure whatever may come and follow me, believing in me, conforming to my example, and living and if need be suffering, perhaps even dying because of faith in me, whoever wishes to save his life in this world will eventually lose it through death. Whoever loses his life in this world for my sake will find it. That is life with me for all eternity. What profit will a man gain if he gains the whole world, wealth, fame, success, but forfeits his soul? What will a man give in exchange for his soul? For the son of man is going to come in the glory and majesty of his father with his angels, and then he will come and repay each one according to what he has done. I believe this message is to increase your faith. I believe this message is full of abundant life. I believe this message is full of peace and joy. Now, see what, and, and there's, no, there's no shame, there's no condemnation. I want, I welcome, I want his conviction. See, when Jesus died on that cross and I came and I kneeled for that very first time, here's my life. Jesus, I'm a sinner. I confess my need for you. I believe in my heart you died to take the penalty of my sin and you rose from the dead. And I believe that you want to give me eternal life, an abundant life. That happened. I was fully in that moment justified as if I'd never sinned. I was nine years old. And you know something? I've done a lot of sinning since I was nine years old. That finished work that moment when I bowed down, I kneeled the very first time. I was fully saved, fully redeemed, fully healed, fully justified. And yet his mercies are new every morning and I'm still being saved. I'm still being redeemed. My, my inward man is being conformed to the likeness of Christ. I've been crucified with Christ. I'm no longer mine. I'm his. I was bought with a price. My life is not my own. Does he have a plan for my life? Yes. Is he the same yesterday, today, and forever? Yes. Is he over my past? Yes. Is he present in my future? Yes. Or in my present? Yes. Is my future secured? Yes. Because of the cross because of the cross. But somehow I have to learn not to just, you know, I think it's real easy. We can come to the cross. We can build down. We can thank him. And then we can leave, live our life in our own strength and kind of know about the cross. We like to wear the cross around our neck or put it on a bumper sticker, but to actually come up and say, oh no, I'm going to live through the cross. I'm going to pick it up. I'm going to carry it. I'm going to follow him. You know, the interesting thing is Jesus told this to his disciples, and I'm pretty confident they did not hear that he was going to die. 
Because if they had really, they might have heard the word. But if they'd really heard it, understood it, that when they saw that nailing on the cross, they say it doesn't matter because they said in three days he's going to raise. But they didn't. They got, just like us, we, we hear God's word, but we don't really understand and hold it. And you know, the thing is, maybe they even thought, well, what does it mean to pick up a cross? I mean, they knew what a cross was. You know, it was, a, it, it was something we don't understand. We don't have um, criminals hanging on crosses for us to see. They knew what cross was. And, and here Jesus is like, what kind of metaphor is that? Pick up my cross and follow after you? What does that even mean? And, you know, a couple, I told Sam, I said, I keep seeing this, this message of living through the cross. And I just begin to, you know, seek him on it. And I just want to share some things just from Jesus' life before he even came to the cross. Would that be Okay. Because we know he went to the cross, and we know the finished work of the cross. But he said those things before he even went to the cross. And so it just caused me to begin to wonder, like, what can we learn about what does it even mean to, like, pick up my cross and follow after him? And I don't, I don't pretend to be um, in any way, you know, I feel like Paul. Like, I'm attaining to these things. I don't want to give the wrong impression that somehow I've arrived. Hang out in my house a little bit and you'll know, oh yeah, I need to take this, this offense right now. That my flesh rises up. No, I'm going to approach this through the cross. Because my life's not my own. I've crucified with Christ. Okay, so let's look a little bit at Jesus' life. Let's start in Luke 4. If you flip over there. You guys are quiet. You okay? Take a pulse. Raise your hand if you're here. You good? Breathe. Is it, who, is it too heavy? Okay, good. I was really praying, Lord, help me release your grace and your joy in this message. Okay. There's some things we can learn in our day-to-day life from Jesus' day-to-day life before he actually, you know, some of us, I mean, most of us haven't experienced, and obviously for breathing, we've not, we've not experienced a physical death at the name of Jesus. There are some in the world in today's age that have and do. And the thing is, there's nothing to be afraid of because when we really understand the wonderful power of what took place on the cross and the resurrection life that comes in, it gives us the grace. But there are things we're going to look at that you can say, wow, I dealt with that this morning or today. But how do we approach those things? Once again, remembering I'm picking up my cross and I'm following after Jesus. Okay, so we'll start at chapter 4, Luke Actually, I'm going to flip back before we get into Luke. Jesus, when he was 12 years old, let's talk about when he was born. He came, he was the one that spoke into being the entire universes. I think he understood glory. I think he understood power. You know, in heaven, the streets are paved with gold. I think he understood 
having, and yet here he is born into a situation of a stable. And you know, I don't want to spend a long time there, but of humble circumstances. Do you think there was some sacrifice on God's part to put himself dependent on a baby, having someone change his diapers? We're talking about God. Then at 12, he finds himself amongst, you know, the leaders in the synagogue and they're amazed at his teaching and he's having such a good time and his family leaves and they go a couple days journey and realize, where's Jesus? I don't know, but it must have been a big crowd of a family, like a big Italian or Greek family with lots of cousins or something, I don't know, or Jewish family. <laughs> but where's Jesus? And then they realize he's not here. And they go back and they find him sitting amongst these scholars. And these men are amazed at his wisdom. And they're like, where have you been? They're freaking out. As a parent, would you be freaking out? And I'd be freaking out. Where have you been? And he, he just, hey, didn't you always be about my father's business? 12 years old. He already understood. I'm living about my father's business. And then it says this, he left with his parents, came to Nazareth, and he was subject to them. Obedience. He came under authority. He was, he was obedient and subject to them. There's times where you may still be at home or you may have a boss. And that authority in this season is in your life and learning how to, you know, that moment where you, once again, your flesh rises up. I can't wait till I leave this house. I'll do things my own way. Have we ever been there? Come on. Through the cross, Jesus learned obedience. Isn't that odd to think that the one created heaven and earth learned obedience? Okay, now look for Jesus, being full with the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Being tempted for 40 days by the devil, and in those days he ate nothing, and afterwards, when they had, had when they'd ended, he was hungry. Okay. Jesus found himself where? In a wilderness. Who led him in the wilderness? The Spirit. I just want to tell you something. If the Holy Spirit can lead the perfect Jesus into a wilderness, guess what? He can do that for us. It wasn't because he sinned, though you might find yourself in a wilderness. I mean, Jonah, you know, he found himself in a, the wilderness of a belly of a well because God said, do this. And Jonah went the opposite direction. I just submit to you, if we're really going to be his disciples, and when God says, do this, then what do we do? this. But Jesus hadn't disobeyed. The Spirit just led him 
to the wilderness and then being tempted for 40 days by the devil. In those days, he ate nothing. And afterwards, when they ended, he was hungry. How many of you guys had breakfast this morning? All right. How many of you are already thinking, it's almost 12 o'clock. Are we going to be eating soon? <laughs> How many get hangry when you're hungry? <laughs> okay, we're talking 40 days, and it says he was hungry. What an understatement. Like, I'm telling you, do you think, like, his flesh was crying out? I mean, at that point, his muscle is being broken down instead of fat on his body. He's about to die. You know, is food a bad thing? Do we need food? Is intimacy and relationships a bad thing? Do we need that? I'm going to go further. Is sex a bad thing? No, it's a gift from God. And yet, can you have an appetite that's not time to be fulfilled? I think God gives us, there's, there's desires and appetites in us, but we have to learn that fruit of abiding in him, self-control, and not just giving to that thing. You know, um, you know, the Lord wants us to have peace. You know, you may be married and go, well, I can't have peace in this marriage, so I'm just going to. I think sometimes we can, our flesh can rise up if we're not careful to live through the cross. But Jesus, you see, he's hungry. So then, so there's a wilderness and then there's a struggle. Anybody have a struggle this week? Can we have some real talk? Okay. And there he says, he ate nothing during those days. And when they were eating, he was hungry. The entire time, Jesus stayed focused. He stayed focused against the enemy's taunts accusations, doubts, and temptation. Do you think after 40 days of not eating, do you think he had doubt? He's fully human. Remember? He's fully man. Do you think he felt the taunts of the enemy? Do you think that he felt that pull of temptation and the accusation? Luke Three and four, right here, it says, And the devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become bread. And Jesus answered him, saying, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. He's vulnerable. Do you know what the last thing happened right before the Spirit of God led him to the wilderness? He'd been baptized, and it said the Spirit came upon him like a dove, and the voice was heard, audible voice, this is my beloved son, whom I'm well pleased. And the very thing the enemy does is cause the doubt. Well, if you are the son 
then, and, and I know you're hungry. I mean, geez, what kind of, what kind of father would leave you in the wilderness for 40 days with no food? Come on, just take the stone and make it. I mean, you could do that. And yet Jesus like, you know, I, I think he was bearing a cross before he got on the cross. And he said, man shall not live on the bread alone, but every word of God. It reminds me of a garden a long time ago. And Satan whispering to Eve, did God really say? The enemy constantly wants us to think of what God might be withholding from us, getting our eyes off of the reality of all these he's already given us. There's a temptation in that moment in the wilderness for a downgrade. Who, made it? Who wants a downgrade? What? Nobody. And yet we do that all the time and not even realize it. We're called for upgrade. What do you mean downgrade? The devil took him to a high mountain, verses five through eight. He took him to a high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said to him, all this authority I'll give you and their glory for this has been delivered to me and I can give it to anybody I wish. Therefore, if you worship before me, all will be yours. And Jesus answered him, get behind me, Satan. For it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. You know, when Peter was telling Jesus, oh, no, you, you can't die. And he says, <laughs> Jesus is like, I know this voice. <laughs> this voice is nothing but trouble. <laughs> He's, this voice is looking for a shortcut. This voice is calling me to a downgrade. I have, he already had all authority. He created the heavens and the earth. Anything that the enemy has in this life is just is not even true. It's a, it's a fake False authority, and especially when you think in terms of the one who created the enemy and, and, and created everything in the earth. Then he brought Jesus to Jerusalem, and he set him on the pinnacle of the temple, and he said to him, If you're the Son of God, throw yourself down from here, because it's written, he'll give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways in their hands. They'll bear you up, lest you dash your foot against the stone. And Jesus answered him, and he said, It has been said, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. Now when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. I just want to, I don't want to spend a long time with this, but those three temptations, you'll find in First um, John, the book of First John, the, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life. Jesus' face, any struggle that you have is going to fall in one of those three places. 
the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. And then it's interesting. Jesus didn't downgrade. He knew all the authority had already been given to him. He wasn't going to take a compromise. He wasn't going to create a shortcut. And I just feel like part of us learning how to um, pick up our cross and follow after him, sometimes we might think, well, if I just do this, God, I'll be able to help you along and get you what you promised me. And you're actually taking a downgrade. It's going to come through picking up what he says, following after him. That means if you're in a wilderness, be patient in the wilderness. Because a lot of times in those hard places, what's happening is he's developing some spiritual muscle. It's a struggle, but you're getting stronger as you press in to him. You know, sometimes there's been things I've faced in my, I'm 50, in the past three to five years that I could have never imagined having the strength to be able to go through. There's things some of you are facing right now that you'd have never thought I could ever go through this and be victorious. And you know, victorious doesn't mean, bam, the problem's gone. Victorious is actually going, I'm, tra- I'm praising my Jesus. I'm trusting him no matter what it feels like, no matter how hungry I am, I will not bow down and worship another God. And I will not, I won't turn from him. I'm pressing into him. The wilderness develops something you need for that promise that he's given you, that place, that ministry, that dream he's promised you. He's going to do it, but you've got to go through some things to get ready to be able to steward those things. All right. Verse 14, Jesus returned in the power of the spirit. How did he return? How did he come up out of the wilderness? In the power of of the spirit. When you're in that wilderness, you say, Lord, I want to be here as long as you've ordained me to be. And when I come up, I'm going to come up full of the spirit of God, ready for the next thing you have for me to be in. You know, a lot of times we just want to get out of the trouble. You know, we want to come to the cross, feel better, and then go live our lives. Oh yeah, I love Jesus. So, he came to Nazareth. I mean, I got four messages in here. I'm sorry. <laughs> he came. Maybe I can do part two next week. He came. He came to Nazareth, where he'd been brought up, and was custom. He went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and stood up to read. And he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he opened the book, he found the place where it was written, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, 
the recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Then he closed the book. He gave it back to the attendant and he sat down. Could you imagine the electricity in the room? Like, they're like, what's going on? This doesn't feel like the other times we've heard the door. <laughs> All eyes who were in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. All bore witness to him, and they marveled at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. And then they said, Is this not Joseph's son? I'm telling you right there, you see spirit and flesh. Their spirits were marveling and their minds began to reason. Wait a second, this is the carpenter's son. You know, he's not really just a son. You remember Mary and the story way back? And all of a sudden, they're feeling in their spirits and yet their mind begins to reason. And he said to them, you will surely say this proverb to me. Physician, heal yourself. Whatever we heard done in Capernaum, do you also hear in your country? And then he said, Assuredly, I say to you, no prophet is accepted in his own country. But I tell you truly, many widows were in Israel in the days of Elijah, when the heaven was shut up three years and six months, and there was a great famine throughout the land. But to none of them was Elijah sent except to Zarephath in the region of Sidon to a woman who was a widow. And many lepers were in Israel in the times of Elisha the prophet, and none of them were cleansed except Naaman the Syrian. Basically, he's saying, hey, this, this good news that I just read isn't just for Israel. Man, that just stirred up all kinds of flesh. And it says, all in the synagogue, when they heard these things, they were filled with wrath. And they rose up and thrust him out of the city. And they led him to the brow of the hill, which their city was built, that they might throw him over a cliff. Passing through them, he went in the midst and on his way. Picking up your cross and following after him, he faced rejection. It's interesting. He, he's, he stepped out full of the Spirit, doing what the Father said to do. I can think of some other people that that happened to. I'm just saying, guys, we have to become so confident of the cross and so confident of Him that we have no fear of rejection. And when we are rejected, that we can see it through the cross.
Well, it's almost 12 o'clock. <laughs> so I think if it's okay with you, we'll just pick up. Besides, y'all need time to like feast on just this much. You know? So I say, go home and digest. <laughs> Begin to ask the Lord. I mean, because the thing is, is that this is what we want, right? We're followers of him to pick up our cross and follow. Just even if we just had the paradigm this week in any moment, Lord, what does it look like to follow you right now? What does it look like to, to pick up my cross and follow? What, when someone's upset with me, how do I, oh, wait, yeah, I, okay. Lord, I'm, yeah, I'm doing what you're telling me to do. And they're mad. It's okay. I'm just going to stand right here behind the cross and let you take all that. <laughs> and I'm going to love them right here through the cross. See, I had a great ending, but we're not halfway there, so you'll just have to come back. <laughs> Would that be all right? All right, let's stand up. Oh, Jesus, I just thank you that we are confident of this very thing. You who began a good work in us, in me. You care to completion. Thank you. I thank you, Jesus, for the finished work of the cross. I thank you for the resurrection power. I thank you that when we deny ourselves and pick up our cross and follow you, it doesn't lead to a death. It leads to a resurrection. Lord, I ask you, you would help us have eyes to see and ears to hear. I pray that faith would arise. And Lord God, I know that there's a lot your spirit is saying right now. And I do. I just ask that you would help us this week to meditate on your word, to feed on your faithfulness, to say, Lord, here am I. And I just thank you, Lord. We get so um, full of ourselves, just like Peter. Like, I'll never deny you. I'm in. And then we realize, okay, well, I am in, but I wasn't in at that moment. But I'm in. I thank you, Father, that you don't define us by the weakness of our flesh. You see the yes in our heart. You see the yes in our spirit. And we invite you, Lord God, to bring transformation in your time, in your way. I thank you that we don't have to change ourselves. You're the one that changes ourselves. All we have to do is yield. All we have to do is abide in you. All we have to do is say yes to the things you're saying. Oh, there is one thing. I did feel like there's some things that the Lord has been saying to you, and you know he's saying it. He's saying now it's time to obey. Why are you waiting till tomorrow when today is today? You think about this when the, um, the frogs were in Egypt. You got some frogs in your life? They were everywhere. These frogs are in Egypt, and, and, and Moses goes to Pharaoh, and, and basically he says, you tell me, and I'll pray, and the frogs will leave. When, when, when do you want me to do that? You know what Pharaoh said? 
tomorrow. Why is it that we think I'm going to do this tomorrow when he say no today? So I, don't, I just really, I felt like I was praying about this. There's some things the Lord has been speaking to you and you know, and you know, you know, he's asking you not to eat those cookies at 10 o'clock at night. And you go, I'll just do that tonight. Tomorrow I won't do it. Or maybe it's a, a, it's a, it's a relationship that you know that he has shown you, this is not what I have for you. Or maybe he's been tugging in your heart going, you know, Heritage needs some help. And you're thinking, well, I don't want to do children's ministry. I spent 20 years in children's ministry. What if he's saying, pick up your cross? I'm in children's ministry this week. I don't know what it is, but I know that he is saying he wants us to learn to hear his, for, his voice and rise up in obedience and do not wait. All right. And you know what? Maybe you're here and you're like, um, I'm hearing a lot of talk about the cross and I've never even just come in out for the very first time. There's an invitation for you right here now. Or maybe you're realizing, man, I've been culturally Christian, but I've never really surrendered my life. I mean, I, I like the package of like eternal life and I like that God has a plan for my life, but somehow I miss that that would mean me taking up a cross and following after him. So Holy Spirit, you know where each of us are and I'm confident that none of us are completely where you're taking us to be. We're all on a journey. And I thank you that we are not to be looking at other people and saying, well, I hope they're hearing that because you're dealing and speaking to us. And Lord, I just pray this week that you would show us individually and we would be known as a people that do not just talk a talk, but we live a life of surrender to obedience and lordship of Jesus Christ making a way for your resurrection power. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to King of Glory Sermon of the Week. Connect with us on Instagram at KOG underscore Asheville and on Facebook at facebook.com slash KOG Asheville.